We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst at irishbreakdown.com. And that guy right there, that's not Brian Driscoll. That's my guy, Sean Davis. And uh, he... <laughs> That's and, and it's funny how we have to keep reminding everybody of that. Look, has it been pretty? Not really. No. You know, there's been sparks, there's been good things, but bottom line, three and oh, uh, it's a good thing that and we you know, we broke down the schedule, you know, all summer and we talked about it, and there's a good first quarter for Notre Dame. It's a chance to, you know, figure some things out, get things going in the right direction. They got through it. Now it's gonna get interesting, right? I mean they it Wisconsin, Cincinnati. I mean, this is this is where it gets uh, the rubber meets the road, as they say for for Notre Dame. Yeah, this is uh, one of those seasons that you look back. I truly believe one of those seasons you'll look back at this time of this season, and you'll realize when you're the number one or two team in the nation in a year or two, this is where it started. This is where the foundation was laid with all the young players that are getting playing time. It's growing pains. We understand that. We understand the frustration that all the fans have. But just be patient and understand that something is being built and they have a plan. The coaches, Brian Kelly and everybody, they do have a plan in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to see that plan come to fruition a little earlier than, absolutely. you know, maybe some people are thinking it might happen. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Again, 3-0, and that's a good thing. So let's Let's dive, first of all, into the Brian Kelly press conference. Uh, it just got over a couple of minutes ago, his noon Monday press conference. A uh, couple of takeaways. Number one, Prince Colley will be available uh, to the team this week, which will be great. Excuse me, they're going to work him out today at practice, see where he's at. He Brian Kelly specifically said he's looking to get him in for J.D. Bertrand, give J.D. a little bit of a breather because – 
I mean, look, I, I think Sean and I can both agree that JD has been friggin' amazing uh, at linebacker, at will linebacker this year, but he can't play every snap. Uh, yeah. And it, it's a long season. You need somebody to give you some, you know, some respite. And they're hoping that Prince Collie can be that guy. So we're the Prince Collie era is upon us. Uh, I'm pretty fired up about it. As all fans know, you love seeing uh, the manifestation on the field on game day of what you hear over the summer Yeah, about certain players. And we heard about this kid always being around the ball and making plays over the summer. And to see it show up, you know, on game days, on absolutely. Saturday, it's absolutely amazing. He's a playmaker. He's making plays all over the field. Mm. And as you guys talked about, the linebacking core was much better, mm-hmm. much better against Purdue. And I hopefully we realize and we'll see that continued growth on a weekly basis. I just think the team overall is getting better. Yeah, really oh, I think so. I mean, it's incremental steps for the offense, you know. Um, obviously, some guys just didn't have a good game yesterday. I think we can we can both agree on that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I want to get your thoughts on Notre Dame in just a second. I'm trying to think of some other things from the Brian Kelly press conference. Uh, he did mention Rocco Spindler is getting a lot better. That's the first time we've really heard his name brought up. Yeah. So does that mean we're going to see him in a game? I don't know. Uh, he said Michael Carmody looks like he may be back, so there's going to be maybe a rotation between him and Tosh Baker at left tackle. Um, I think we're just we're going to see guys coming in and out on the offensive line. I think that's just kind of where we are with the offensive line. But again, as you mentioned, that's something that can propel them into the future. You're, you're, a lot of young guys are getting time. Joe Alt, I, I thought he he played really really well. Uh, and, and Brian Kelly mentioned him as well. I mean, they've got four tackles right now in Carmody, um, in Baker, in Fisher, and Alt that they love. They love all four of those guys. And he basically said, those guys are going to be playing for us someday. They're, they're not all necessarily ready yet, but they're all going to be playing someday. That's good news. I think in all three press conferences that we've seen on Mondays, the one thing that stood out is – we haven't seen Brian Kelly in previous years give much credence or conversation to freshmen being on the field. So from a recruiting standpoint, I think an adjustment has been made by Brian Kelly. Mm -hmm. We saw him make an adjustment in 2017 after the 2016 season that allowed the program to get to this point. And I think he's heeded the advice of some people in the building. And in order to continue to close the gap on the likes of Clemson and Alabama, you have to be able to play your freshmen and get them on the field sure. and get them to uh, get ready earlier. Just from a depth standpoint, it's really good. And I think, as I said before, that is the plan. Let's get these guys ready. It just so happens the, se- the season that we're in, he said transition multiple times also mm-hmm. in all three press conferences. He believes this is a transitional year. I believe that as well. If you can win 10 games in a transitional year, that bowls very well for your program. And like I said, we'll look back at this season in another year or two and say that was the foundation of a number one to a number one or number two team in the nation going into a title game. I really believe that. I think Brian Kelly is becoming even more of a CEO. Uh, you saw him on Saturday sitting down with the offense while the game was going on, sitting there in the chair saying, look, let's get this done. Let's get that done. And I just love – that side of him. Now, you talked about the offensive line. I believe in the young talent. I believe when they recruit them, 
both of us thought, yeah, these are some really good players that sure. he's getting on the offensive line. The question is the development, right? Absolutely. Are they being developed? Are right. they being taught? And one of the things you have to talk about is going from practice and taking what you learn into the game mm-hmm. and being able to adjust on the fly. You're young. We expect mistakes. But can you learn from those mistakes, depend on your fundamentals, and then go play? Absolutely. And Absolutely. And I think you guys talked about it in one of your shows this weekend. You saw more effort. And, and that's what? step one. I mean, Absolutely. I would have liked to see that in game one, obviously, mm-hmm. but we're starting to see it. And that's that's a good thing. And, you know, and when when, uh, for example, Zeke Carell was good, he was really good. Yeah. Now, when he was bad, he was really bad. Those good need to outweigh the bads and they don't yet. Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where we're at. Um, so, you know, things are things are getting better, but they need to get a lot better, a lot quicker yeah, because yeah. they've got Wisconsin in six days, uh, yeah. you know, five days now. Right. So I do want I see a, a comment over here. I do want to uh, address from Justin. He says no mention of whether Batelho has gotten up to game speed yet. He needs to be on the field, at least as a depth player on defense and not just special teams. So, Justin, uh, you got to remember, they haven't practiced yet. Uh, since the game. So that that question, I guarantee you, will be asked on Thursday uh, during Brian Kelly's press conference. That's after they've had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday's worth of practice. Maybe not Thursday, but Thursday's really just a walkthrough anyway. Um, but they'll have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday under their belt. They'll have a better idea of you know what, what Michael Carmody's role might be, what, what Batelho's role might be. Um, they haven't had practice. They haven't even seen the guys uh, yet. Uh, this week. So they don't know if he's up to speed, but I agree with you. Batelho needs to be in on defense. Um, he, it, it, he just adds depth across the board. He can do things that not got the guys on the defense can't do. Um, and, th- and the defense is still really good. So, you know, you add him and they get even better. So, uh, so Justin, just keep, keep, uh, keep that thought in your head because we all want to see Batelho on the field, right, Sean? Yeah, he's going to get back. And Brian Kelly mentioned the same thing. I think he was asked about, you know, did he mention or say anything to the players on Sunday about their performance? I think it was the wide receiver core he was asked about specifically. And he was like, no, we, we give them their day off. I won't see them until practice. And then at that point in time, we'll talk to them about the improvements they need to make. But every player on this team knows what they need to do to get on the field, to oh, get yeah. more playing time. And I expect Jordan's no different. He knows he needs to get himself in shape, not sure. only physically, but mentally, to be able to go out there and give them some positive game reps. Absolutely. And he gave him positive reps on special teams. Special so that's teams, right. that's step one for him. Yeah. Getting him yeah. back to where he needs to be. Because, you know, you guys got to remember also, you know, they knew that they weren't going to have him available to them early on in the season. So he didn't get a ton of reps uh in fall camp. I mean, he was with the third team. Third team doesn't get the same amount of reps as the first team or the second team. So they're going to start adding to his volume and they're going to get him back to where he needs to be. And they weren't really sure when they were going to get him back. So they couldn't have him taking reps from guys that they knew they could get on the field, et cetera. They were playing that game, that 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 unknown game. But now they know they got him back. Now they can start increasing his workload. So I, look, I'm I'm as excited as anybody to see number 12 uh, on defense get in the, in the game. And speaking of number 12, uh, offensively, number 12, Tyler Buckner. Uh, they seem confident that he will be available on Saturday. 
It sounds like if it was an emergency situation, they might have been able to bring him in this past Saturday, but uh, just kind of strain that hamstring. That's something you don't want to mess around with, especially from a guy who his thing is running the football. Uh, And so you want to make sure he's going to get treatment, he's going to get better, uh, but you want to make sure he's right uh, or or else he's not any good to you. I mean, you you don't need him to come in and throw the ball. You need him to come in and add a spark to your your offense running the ball. Yeah. So you want to make sure that he's right first. The football guys, they're funny, right? Because this <laughs> this should be the Jack Cone game. Mm-hmm. Like this is his game. This is his week. Brian Kelly tried to deflect, but you know Jack Cone really wants this game, and Absolutely. you know his, you know his teammates really want this game for him. There's no if, and, and buts about it. They're going to go out there. They're going to play football the right way, but in the back of their minds, they're going to have a little extra motivation to support Jack Cone to get the victory and. Other than that, I just think that Tyler Buckner was going to be more important for the Cincinnati game from a scheme standpoint, in my opinion. I believe Jack Cohn and this offense can go out and do everything necessary to get a victory over Wisconsin. But I do think you need both guys to give Cincinnati some fits because of the style of defense that they play, which is similar to what we've seen from Notre Dame's defense. They want to be disruptive. And to have somebody that can be that change up off of the fastball that is Jack Cone, you know, that's that bodes well to get you some big plays and throw Cincinnati off and get them on their heels. So let's, you know, rest rest them up. Yeah. That's what I would say. Get rest him right. Make yeah. sure he's there for Cincinnati. But if you need him in an emergency, heaven forbid, nothing happens to Jack Cone and he stays healthy throughout the entire game. Notre Dame should be fine at that position. College football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Notre Dame tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all college football tickets. TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee you the best prices on all college football tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Notre Dame travels to Chicago to face Wisconsin at Soldier Field this coming Saturday in a top 20 matchup. This should be one heck of a ball game, and we're going to see who Notre Dame really is. If you're looking for tickets to that game, make sure you check out TickPick. Dot com because they've got you covered. Just visit TickPick.com slash Irish today and use the promo code Irish to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. Well, and, you know, I, obviously we're going to talk more about Wisconsin as we move forward, but you got me excited here, Sean. So, um, I look, I, I love Notre Dame's defense. I think they're going to hold that Wisconsin offense in check. I really do, and I'm going to dive into the Wisconsin film starting probably tonight or tomorrow. And uh, but I, if Wisconsin can't score, they can't win. You know what yeah. I mean? And and, yeah. and look, Wisconsin's defense is really really good, but so are the skill guys that Notre Dame has. Yeah. And it may not look pretty all the time, but Notre Dame is they're going to score. And if the defense does what I think they're going to do, you know, the offense just has to hold up. You know, kind of their end of the bargain. Yeah. And they get this victory. That that that's how I see things. And look, Jack Cohn has outplayed Graham Mertz so far this season and really hasn't even been that close. So 
you know, Absolutely. if it's a tail of the tape situation, I'm glad that we got Jack Cohn and they got Graham Mertz right now. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens um, and we'll dive into it more as we go. But. If you're going to hop into that Wisconsin film, make sure you have two Mountain Dews. <laughs> you're going to need something to help you stay awake. I know, right? Not, not much to it. But, you know, going into this game, it's important that we realize – I pointed out the last time I was with you that the team that I thought – and I'm sure we'll get to the rest of the college football landscape. Sure. I just want to throw this in there. I told you about how impressed I was with Penn State's offense and that Sean Clifford missed multiple opportunities to get big plays against that Wisconsin secondary. And I think the same thing will happen for Jack mm-hmm. Cohn and his wide receivers. There will be multiple opportunities for big plays against the secondary that this offensive line can just hold up maybe for another half second. That's all. Seriously, yeah. Let's improve a half second from Purdue to Wisconsin, and I see two big plays in the passing game that should lead to touchdowns and be the ultimate difference in this game. Well, let, let's talk about the Purdue game because we want to get your thoughts on, on on what you saw. But I tell you what, I don't see Avery Dave. I'm sorry, not Avery Davis because he had a great game. Mm-hmm. I don't see Kevin Austin or Braden Lindsey combined both having as bad of a game in one game as they yeah. had on Saturday. I just don't see it. They, they've been too good for too long, uh, you know, making plays, doing what they need to do. I just I don't see that being the case. And we talked about it yesterday. Notre Dame has six legitimate threats in the passing game yeah. that they can go to. You got the two running backs, you got Michael Mayer, you got Braden Lindsey, Avery Davis, and Kevin Austin. That's six legit threats. And two, three guys were nowhere to be found because they took Michael Mayer away. You know, uh, Kevin Austin didn't have a catch, even yeah. though he was targeted eight times. And Braden Lindsey dropped the touchdown in, in the end zone, right? So yeah. three guys that were nowhere to be found and yet still Avery Davis steps up does his thing both running backs stepped up did their thing you've got weapons you've got that that's my biggest takeaway from the offense I want to get your thoughts on just per, the Purdue game in general wherever you want to go Sean the, the floor is yours it's amazing because Jack Cohn has to, has to have a glimpse of what it was like being Tom Brady in the wing right <laughs> to have this big guy at tight end each and every week that's a mismatch, a mm-hmm. nightmare for defensive coordinators. And he's going to get doubled, and they're going to try to take him out of the game. And all of your running backs and wide receivers just end up running wide open. That's it. Yep. All you need is time. That's what it was like with Tom Brady and Gronk, and that's what it's like with Jack Cohn and Michael Mayer. It's the same thing. And when you have talented wide receivers with speed, we talked about it. You guys talked about it. How many times were Braden Lindsey and Kevin Austin open by like four or five yards in the Purdue game. Like had their guys beat. Plenty of opportunities. So it's not effort. The opportunities are there. They're playing hard. Yeah, they struggle to get off bumper run every now and then. Uh, In the middle of the game, Kevin Austin did make an adjustment. Outside release, they were stopping him, and he got inside and went up the field a couple of times. One time, Jack Cohn just overthrew him. So – I think they'll watch the film. Hopefully they'll watch the film. They'll get coached up this week, and they'll improve and get better. I don't know if Wisconsin's defensive backs are going to be as aggressive as Purdue was. Purdue was very aggressive. I don't think they will be that aggressive with their secondary. 
but they they pretty much just said this is the only way we're going to stop them. Mm-hmm. We have to blitz, pressure the quarterback, get him off his spot, and bump and run these guys and mess up the timing of this offense and just go for broke. And that's what they did. Right. And the opportunities were there. And if we execute each and every game, because we'll have those opportunities because of the talent in the passing game and the skilled position players that we have, the opportunities are going to be there. If we execute, Notre Dame should have no problem scoring 40 points, Vince. Yeah, agreed. Every yeah. Week, they should have no problem scoring 40 points. It's all about execution from the offensive line to the quarterback to the skill position players. If they all execute, we're going to score plenty of Absolutely. points. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and that defense is kind of the blueprint for how – you know, to affect Notre Dame and their offensive line yeah. and, and, you know, things of that nature, bringing multiple guys and making the offensive line have to pick and choose and things of that nature. But then you're one-on-one on the outside. And, yes, they were doing bump and run, and they were, you know, rerouting Notre Dame's receivers and things. But it's one-on-one coverage out there, man. That's only going to last so long yeah. against these guys. I'm just saying, watching it from the stadium, watching those wide receivers do their thing, they were behind – they got steps on those guys multiple times. And – if the safety is in bracket coverage over the tight end and you're going to leave one-on-one with Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsay, and Avery Davis, I like Notre Dame's chances. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Absolutely. I absolutely do. And yeah. so, you know, we'll see what happens in the future, but I, you know, if people are going to continue that blueprint of, of, of defense against Notre Dame, they're going to have a way to, to overcome that. I really do believe that. And salute to Tommy Rees and to, uh, Jack Cohn for not forcing it to Michael May. Right. And, and using the other weapons. Because the play, I think you guys said it in your post-game show, the adjustment Tommy Reese made with that formation that led to Avery Davis's touchdown, they knew what Purdue had seen on film. Mm-hmm. They made the adjustment to go from the corner route to the post, knowing the safety was coming down to double Michael Mayer, and it was wide open. Oh. Avery Davis said it on the sideline. He said, as soon as I saw the coverage, I knew it was a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and it, and it was a great route. I yeah. mean, he stemmed to the outside, comes back inside. I mean, he was open by five, six yards. Yeah. You know? I mean, that was that was a really, really good route and a good catch and a good throw. I mean, and give Jack Cohn credit. He had a terrible first half. Terrible. I mean, he was throwing the ball on the ground. He was overshooting his receivers. Um, I mean, just not a good first half at all. But the second Everything half. Everything was high, too. Everything yeah. was too high. Yep. Overthrow, overthrow. And it's good to have a guy with poise. Yes. Has played a lot of games, came out the second half, directed his focus, and was right back on target. So definitely played a fantastic second half and struggled in the first half. But that's the type of guy Jack Cohn is. And that's a great guy in a transitional year, once again. You know, in most programs, most programs are forced to play Tyler Buckner. Yes. Yep. Exactly yeah. exactly right. And yeah. and knowing, I mean, Jack Cohn knew now. Okay, well, Tyler's not going to be able to come in to help us out, give us a spark, you know, what, whatever the case may be. It, it's on my shoulders. Yeah. And he responded. He responded big time. Yep. Two weeks this in a whole, row. This whole team responded to Toledo. Yeah. In my opinion, the entire team responded to that poor perform- performance a week ago in the same stadium. They came out and, like you said, the defense set the tone. Yeah. I yep. think the defense almost came into the game saying, we don't care what the offense does. This is our game. Mm-hmm. And yes. they, they heard about Jeff Brom being a great play caller all week. They heard about the wide receivers. They heard about David Bell. 
Uh, they heard about Anthrop, and they decided we're going to take all of them out of the game, and we're going to dominate this team from our side of the ball. And that's what they did. Right. Outside of a couple of mistakes, I mean, they had the, the corner fire by uh, by Clarence Lewis. Lewis and yeah. if, he, if he hits that tackle, it's a tackle for loss, number one. It's not a 32-yard gain. Perfect right? call, right? I mean, it was perfect a perfect call. call. Yeah. Perfect call. I mean, he just needs to execute it, yeah. right? So, you know, here's what, you know, we were all calling for what? Eliminate the big plays, mm-hmm. right? And play a complete game. Uh, they did that. <laughs> I mean, they, like I said, if he makes that tackle, it's not a 32 yard game, but it's also not a 65 yard gain like they were giving up in the first two games. They had four of those, right? Yeah. And then they didn't let, they didn't let Purdue score the last 22 minutes of the game. So, complete game, check. No big plays, pretty much a check. You can call the 30 yard run a check, you know, a big gain. I get that. And then the very next play, it felt like, uh, is, is when the David Bell, had that uh, pass interference, but he also caught the ball, right? So yeah. two semi-big plays right there, and that put him in scoring position. But other than that, I mean, 13 points against this Purdue offense, I'll take it. I, I will take that. You talk about those two plays, and that's not even the most frustrating. That wasn't the most frustrating play for me. The most frustrating play for me, they had Purdue backed up. I think it was a great punt. They got them on the one-yard line, and I think it was a second and long and they let Anthrop get loose down the middle of the field. And Jack Kaiser has to get just a little bit more depth. Now, I couldn't see I, – I wish I had the uh, the end zone view right. to see it because it looks like he bumped into the, the uh, umpire there. The official, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much that affected him. Mm-hmm. But knowing that they had to pass at that point, it's like get a little bit more depth and deflect that away, there's no way he should be able to split both linebackers and get down the field for that big play. But other than that, like you said, you know, you have to live with big plays. This is college football. The other guys do have D1 scholarships as well. Right. Good point. You you can't shut them down for all 60. (laughs) Good point. Very good point. I like that. Okay, so Notre Dame's 3-0. Again, that is the bottom line here. Big game on Saturday. Big game on Saturday. The, The the tension rat- ratchets it up. Uh, the the talent level on the other side of the ball ratchets up. I mean, it's it's a big game, and I think we're going to learn even more about Notre Dame after this game, and and continually, right? Because you've got Wisconsin, then you've got Cincinnati. I mean, those are two right now huge games on this schedule. I, I don't feel necessarily the same way about North Carolina, USC, thing, you know, things like that right. as I did prior. Um, these two games right here are, are absolutely huge. So and we shall see. To, it speaks to the multiple ways, or it will show if your team can win multiple types of games. Right. Different types of games. Oh, yeah. Right? The word they use is slobber knocker. Mm-hmm. Slobber knocker. In the home of George Hallis and the Chicago Bears, where defense wins games, and offenses that are premium, and we're going to have that same type of game. And Brian Kelly talked about it. He almost, I think, he called it a Wisconsin, the Big Ten version of Navy, almost. Yeah, like because they want to possess the ball. Yeah, right. You have to score touchdowns. Can't score field goals. You have to score touchdowns. They're going to keep the possessions down. They're going to run the ball, and they're going to maintain time of possession. So when you get the opportunities, once again. There will be opportunities for big plays in this game. Yep. And when you get them, hit them. 
Mm-hmm. And if you hit them, Notre Dame will have control of this game and should be able to handle Graham Mertz and that offense, which really doesn't have too much creativity. I think they might have a couple of tricks up their sleeve for this one because they're going to have a lot of red in the stadium. Technically, it's a home game for them. Yeah, right. Uh, early start, 12, it's a 12 noon start, I believe. So, yeah, 11 o'clock your time. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be a little chilly. <laughs> Won't be as wonderful as the last two games in South Bend. It's going to be about 65 and a little windy coming off that lake. So oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so I just expect a physical game, but I expect Notre Dame to go up. They're the better team. They are the better team. Just Agreed. go out there and be the better team, and they shouldn't have a problem. Of course, we're not the ones on the field, right? We no, they don't want me on the field. That that would not work out well for anybody. No, no I, one's hitting us. <laughs> so it's easy for us to say just go out there and just be the better team. But, no, with, uh, all, in all seriousness, Notre Dame should be able to win this game because they're the better team. Agreed. We got a super chat I want to get to before we jump into the world of college football. Patrick Barnes, thanks, Patrick, for the super chat. Really appreciate it. He says, in his press conference today, Brian Kelly talked about an O-line rotation because guys were tired. Is an O-line rotation a normal thing for teams? Uh, No, (laughs) it it is not a normal thing for teams. Um, Yeah, so, you know, he did. He talked about the guards getting tired and he talked about Tosh getting tired. You notice he never said anything about uh, Patterson getting tired or Lug getting tired because those are the veterans or whatever. It, it's ridiculous. He never mentioned the offensive line getting tired last year. Um, you know, it, that's it's kind of a smokescreen for we need to get some other guys involved uh, because of the play. Yeah. It's not it has nothing to do with being tired. I'm sorry. No, it's not at all, Vince. Just just go ahead and translate it for him, right? <laughs> Any sport, what happens when you get tired? Yeah. As a player, you start making mistakes, mental and physical. Sure. So in translation, he's just talking about, hey, guys are not being good. We have to get other guys in there, and we'll just mask it as them being tired. It's performance. Yeah. It's performance-based. And yeah. they know. They look at the film. I, I would like to say Kane Madden has taken a lot of, a lot of backlash from fans. Oh, yeah. And he's earned it. don't get get me wrong he's He's, earned that back he's he's wearing it yeah he's wearing it (laughs) but on that touchdown run he had a really good block sure on the long run for kw so you know he blocks down when he blocks down yeah he's he's good when when he has to go forward yeah it's not so good or when he has to get out in space or get to the next level not so good but when he's blocking down that plays into his strength and that's what they did on that play so yeah. And it's, it's, I guess, I don't know if that's a matter of talent or if it's a matter of, because, you know, some guys, they can get this one fundamental thing, but if you ask them to put that fundamental in another situation, they can't perform at the same sure. level. And that's across all sports. Sure. And, you, know, you Vince, you're a coach. You know, you try to get guys to go to their left and keep their legs down and don't let mm. the ball, you know, get through their legs. It's like oh, every time you go this way, you struggle. But when you go this way or come forward, you're fine. Right. Same thing in football. Like you said, if he blocks down, he's very good. If he has to go forward and push that player back, uh, I don't know if it's, he needs to do some more squats or <laughs> whatever it is. You know, get that anchor set. But 
whatever it is, hopefully, hopefully he can make improvements. If not, you might see Christophe in there a little bit more or some of the other youngsters. And I'm all for it. I'm sure. all for it. Absolutely. Youngsters ready to play. Like I said, growing pains, but you'll look up in game eight, nine, and ten, and you'll be saying, okay, we're averaging four to five yards a game now. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's what we want. Well, look, and Kane Madden, he, this, he's a one and done, right? So he's, he's not going to be here next year. So, you know, of course, I want him to improve as the games go on. Yeah. But if you can get somebody else in there, get some reps, and they improve as they go on, they're going to be even better for next year, right? So not that I'm necessarily looking at next year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not flushing yeah. this season yet. Um, but there's some benefits to getting some young guys in there. And if Kane is actually tired, then there's a benefit to that too, I suppose. Vince, let me ask you a question because okay. we always talk about this from quarterbacks. Like, when do you put the young guy in? On, on the offensive line, when do you go ahead and just say, you know what, just let the young guy rock? For just like full-time? Full just full-time? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what. If we're let, Let's say we're talking about Caden Mann specifically, okay, mm -hmm. and, and his play so far. I would be real close, uh, and I said I said this going into last week. As far as uh, if I was if I was Jeff Quinn, I would be walking into the meeting room and I'd be like, "Look, guys, whoever gives me the best effort, you know, whoever's going to be taking it, taking the fight to the other side of the ball, you know, you're you're going to play. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to open up the competition. So like we don't know what's happening at practice, right? So if if they're if the talent level is way below. Right. Where Kane Madden is, which I can't imagine that it is. But hypothetically, if it's way below, then you still got to ride with your guy. Right. But if it's getting a lot closer and it's starting to become kind of, uh, you know, one of these. Right. then I think you you got to ride with the younger guy. I was having right. a chat with with a buddy of mine uh, earlier today. You know, we've, I've got some some new seniors that are going to come out for the baseball team. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, if I've got a sophomore who has been. He'd been with me for a year already, and they got three years left in the program, and a new senior, and the talent level's right about here. Guess who I'm holding on to? You yeah. know, you know what I mean? Because that ceiling is higher. The the length of time I, you're going to be with me is higher. So, at some point, if the talent level's right there, I think yeah. you got to you got to make that call. Yeah, we've been spoiled around sure. when it comes to the offensive line. We really have. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to a lot of people in the NFL over the last two weeks because of our offensive line play. And multiple scouts have told me that when Notre Dame offensive linemen get to the NFL, they usually supersede the expectations. Right. One guy I heard about specifically was Mike McGlinchey. Like they did not think he would be that good. They thought he would end up as a right tackle. They didn't think he would be that good at the tackle position. Right, and he's exceeded expectations. I think uh, Zach Martin was kind of on par. Quentin Nelson was kind of on par because he came back and became net dominant. But even Ronnie Stanley was looked at as he's good, but we want to see can he be nasty? And you saw how important he had he was and how he has been sure. to the Baltimore Ravens team and Lamar Jackson when he's there and when he's not there. When he got right. into last year, you definitely saw the mm -hmm. difference. So. That goes back to coaching. Like, what aren't they getting? Right. They're good at Notre Dame, but why is it when they get this type of coaching at the pro level, they take an even greater step and become better than what most people thought they would be in the NFL? You have to ask the question, you know, what's missing in sure. that, 
that variable or what's the variable there that's missing in that equation? I completely agree with that. And uh, people can make their own assumptions from that, but uh, I'm with <laughs> you 100%. Let me tell you. I, I tried to keep it as, you know, <laughs> mystical I, as I could. I love it. I love it. All right, man. So let's. Let's jump into a little college football. Uh, we'll we'll start. Let's start. You want to start at the top of the AP rankings? Let's do it. Was it. Pretty good. Pretty good game for the number one team in the country. Wasn't uh, it? Almost got knocked off, man. Yeah. Alabama, Florida. Alabama pulls out the what? The two point win over Florida down in the swamp. Started out got gangbusters. They're up twenty one three after the first quarter. Uh, you know, Bryce Young appears to be the real deal, man. After what three games now? But then that defense, that defense is starting to show some chinks in the armor, potentially. Uh, I, I tell you what, I, they can get run on. If you got a good run offense, which I'm not saying Notre Dame does at the moment, but if you've got a good run offense, that might be the way to keep Bryce Young on the sideline, churn out some yards, get some points, and maybe Alabama isn't uh, – you know, they're the number one team in the country. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they, they, they're not perfect. That's for sure. There's one thing that stands out. When you look at the defense for Georgia, let's say, or the Tom dominant defenses we've seen at Clemson, or their defense this year, the one thing that's missing for Alabama that they've always had in their dominant defenses is that one dude right there in the middle of that defensive line. Yeah. That's going to mess up everything, whether it's the run play or pass play. They're going to disrupt. They're going to push your guards and centers back into the backfield. They don't have that. Mm -hmm. And I was really amazed the way that Florida was able to reset, come out. They're down. I'm thinking Dan Mullen is going to open it up a little bit more. Right. Dan Mullen says, look, we're about to run right at them. <laughs> and and establish that we're the more, more physical team and we're the better team. Right. And we did it all second half. If they don't make the mistakes they made, the two interceptions and some other things, the penalties early in the game, they very well could have won that game by about 10 points. Right. They were definitely the more physical team. And you came away from that game saying, yo, if they play another, if they play on a neutral field and say in the SEC championship game, Florida will have a pretty good chance. Yeah. No, oh, absolutely. Have a pretty good chance. Yeah. So up the middle, especially at the linebacker position, I don't think they have the linebackers they've had the last two years as well. They lose that guy that's, you know, wrecking havoc now in the NFL for Bill Belichick. You know, he's yeah. no longer there in the middle, and they miss him. They miss him. So any up Alabama, could it, we dare say they're in a transitional year? On the defense? I mean, yeah, absolutely you could say yeah. that. And, I, and I'll tell you what. I So when we did our prediction show for the season, I'm pretty sure I said Florida was going to win the East over whoever else was in there. But yeah. Florida, I think, is a better team than I even thought that they would be. And I give, I give Dan Mullen a lot of credit because, you know, last year they're throwing the ball all over the yard. They're doing all this, you know. And this year they're pounding the rock. I mean, yeah. they have changed their identity uh, twofold. I mean, they, they've completely done a 180 with their identity, and that's coaching. Like, that doesn't just happen, right? And so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what Florida does from here on out. I, I think that they're a pretty solid team, and I think they're going to give people a lot of trouble moving forward. Yeah, they had a Heisman Award winning quarter, well, contending quarterback, 
And then they had quite possibly the best pass catching weapon in all of college football that's in the NFL. So you lose that. Absolutely. Tony's in the NFL as well. Another weapon they had. Like you said, coaching, man, he's able. This is the same guy that was at Mississippi State. Right. And had Dak Prescott and turned that program, that offense, into an explosive offense and to a top five program at one time while he was there. So you know he can coach. Right. You know he can coach. Now it's just a matter. I think that's one of those games where you have to play Bama and realize, like, you know, we can beat them. I think when they played them in the SEC championship game, they knew that they could hang with them, but I think they knew Bama was the better team. Sure. Saturday, I think the Gators walked out of the swamp saying, yeah, well, we see them, we're going to beat them next time. Well, and they didn't even they, – they've got that two-quarterback system going, too, down in Florida with their dynamic uh, second-string guide, yeah. a la Notre Dame, right? And they didn't even play him in the in this game. Hamstring for him, too, right? Yeah. Yep. Backups with these <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. I'm telling you. So they and they they and they also said that he would have been available if there was an emergency situation, etc. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just saying that was an unused weapon for for Florida that they could come back with in that SEC championship game yeah. if that ends up being the case. And I, whew, that'd be a fun one to watch. Let me tell uh-huh. you. I can't wait for the cocktail party. Now, that Georgia-Florida game is going to be really good. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's yeah. a really good point because that you're going to get smash mouth Florida against that defense from Georgia. And I, mm-hmm. That defense is legit Yeah, Georgia. That defense is legit. And I think JT Daniels is starting to figure out that offense a little bit more. Now, you know, I, you know, we might as well just start talking about Georgia, right? I, I don't know how good South Carolina is. Obviously, they were 2-1, and one, but – you know, they scored 13 points. I have a feeling that was more because of Georgia's defense than it, you know, and and, and then the offense is scoring 40. Yeah. And it was, and they didn't score in the fourth quarter. So yeah. they clearly took their foot off the gas uh, as well. So this Georgia team is going to be something to reckon with as well, for sure. Yeah. Georgia wasn't going to allow any of that Beamer ball to impact them this week. They got right at it early on on both sides of the ball, big plays. They established the run and the pass. And like you said, that dump, their front seven, Vince, have to go back. I've never seen a defense that big yeah. and that fast. Yeah. I've seen a lot of fast defenses that had long ranging players, but I've never seen a front that big and that fast. When you have 330 and 350 pound defensive tackles chasing down quarterbacks to the sideline, that's a scary proposition for any offensive coordinator in the SEC this year. No doubt. No doubt, because you can't spread them out this way. No. And they got corners where you're not going to be able to spread them out that way. Right. <laughs> so any quarterback, the pocket is collapsing. Absolutely. Like one and a half seconds. So I don't know what you do with that unless you have guys like Florida that can make plays with their legs. Absolutely. Yep. So that might be, you know, the weapon that ends up being the difference. Sure. And with a team like that, I mean, you're kind of you're darned if you do, darned if you don't in a lot of ways against this Georgia defense. But if I if I've got a running game like I think Florida has and I'm going right at them, you just you just got to go right at them because you try to get cute and you try to get fancy. They're going to run you down and they're going to make you look silly. So 
I think you just go, you just take it right to him, man, you know, <laughs> and see what happens. Try death by a thousand punches, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. that's what you got to do. And I think the speed of Alabama's offense had the Florida defense on their heels, but kudos to their defense. They ratchet down in the second half as well, held out Alabama in check and allowed their team to get back in the game. Because like you said, they didn't get back in the game with big plays through the air. Right. They took their time and methodically got back in the game. So when you methodically get back in the game, your defense has to get stops. Absolutely. All right, let's talk a little Oklahoma. They played Nebraska this uh, this week, twenty three to sixteen. You know, Scott Frost really trying to hold on to his job. I don't know if it says more about Nebraska or Oklahoma that this thing was as close as it was. Um, your thoughts on this one? I wasn't impressed with Oklahoma. No, me neither. I just really wasn't. There's actually. I thought Nebraska played very well, especially along the line of scrimmage. Especially along the line of scrimmage. I think their defensive line is overlooked because of that surprising loss to Illinois opening week. But their defensive line is really good, especially against the run. They really don't have that speed rusher to get to the quarterback. But as a group, they work together really well. And I like the way they set the line of scrimmage on the other side, you know, for – for their linebackers and their uh, safeties. Oklahoma, I just expect more from Spencer Rattler. Absolutely. Like the height, and you saw the history, you know the history of Lincoln Riley and all of his quarterbacks. They come to him, whether they were recruited or they transfer, and they get better in his offense. I'm not seeing it with Spencer Rattler right now. Uh, Mims, he wasn't really getting loose like I thought he would against that Nebraska secondary. And no, I, I'm just not impressed. I yeah. really am not impressed. Nebraska's offense, like I said, it's one-sided. Only thing they can do is really run the ball. Martinez isn't a threat in the passing game. No. And they were still able to move the ball quite well in the first half. Like Nebraska had opportunities to put points on the board early in this game. You know, they just didn't come up with that big play or that third. Got a lot of field goal. goals. Yeah, a lot of field goals. So I wasn't impressed with Oklahoma at all, and I think they should have taken a drop in the polls, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, again, so they're they're three and zero, so they're gonna they're gonna stay right where they're at. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that's when you're up that high and you keep winning, you're not gonna drop, right? I mean, that's just that's just the way it goes, unfortunately. Um, so, I mean, again, I don't know if anybody in the Big Twelve is gonna get to them. We'll see, but I think they're gonna they're good enough where I feel like they're gonna get through the Big Twelve. But I think if they happen to make it into the Final Four, I think they're gonna get exposed. I really do. But that would be a typical Oklahoma situation in the Final Four. So you know, well, just from a tradition standpoint, I think every team has that one game on their schedule where they know that they're better than that team. Right. The game somehow, some way always ends up being a tough physical game and going into the fourth quarter. Right. For Oklahoma, it's always that Red River shootout. Mm-hmm. Like some years, yeah. they're like a 20-point favorite, and they go in there and Texas gets them somehow, some way. Turnovers, right. special teams, big plays, what have you. Kansas State has always been a thorn in the side of Oklahoma for some reason. 
and then Bedlam. Right. So absolutely. So I think those are the only three games where I will worry about Oklahoma not winning just because of the tradition of those games. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I like yeah. that. So uh, I don't think that there's much of a point in talking about Oregon. They played Stony Brook, and then Iowa played Kent State. Yeah. Uh, both were pretty much blowouts. So let's go to the number six team in the country, the Clemson Tigers. And they had to have a goal line stand against Georgia Tech, who is now one and two on the season, to defeat the Yellow Jackets in Clemson. In Clemson. Right, yeah. it was a home game for Clemson, yeah. and they had to have a goal line stand to beat Georgia Tech. I just, I mean, I think you know, as I'm looking at the chat here, everybody, uh, you know, agrees Clemson is just not a great football team this year, and yeah. they've already got one loss, and they're still this number six team in the country, which is. Yeah. But, they're wasting a great defense. Yeah, absolutely. They're wasting it. They have a really good defense, especially up front. That defensive line is really good. Yeah. Oh, they, I mean, they look, the defense won them that game. There is no two ways about it. The defense won them that game. They held Georgia Tech to eight points. I mean, and that goal line stand was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Georgia Tech threw everything they had at them to try to get those last few yards and they couldn't do it. So, you know, they better be, there better be some love for that defense down there, uh, you know, at Clemson. And you think when you, you know how it is. When you recruit or you coach, you get a young guy in, you see the promise, you you know project their ceiling, and then you come back the next season and it just doesn't go the way you thought it would. You know, we saw the performance uh, of DJ Uagalele at Notre Dame Stadium, and right. we thought he's the next one in the line of these great Clemson quarterbacks, and it just hasn't manifested itself that way. It just hasn't. He looks unsettled in the pocket. Yeah. We do know that that offensive line is a look, Notre Dame isn't the only big program with problems along the offensive line. Fair. Like that's that makes me feel good. Like, oh, they struggle with the offensive line too. But <laughs> you know, and Tony Elliott is a great play caller. Great play caller. But when you don't have an offensive line and it's unsettled, you have a quarterback who's unsettled, and then you have all this talent outside because they definitely have talent at the skill positions, but everything has to work together. Absolutely. And right now they're out of sync as an offense, and they're gonna we're going to see what Dabo and Tony Elliott can come up with because I don't think they survived the ACC schedule putting up. Which is 11, scary to yeah, think yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to put up at least 20. With that defense, if they put up 21 points, Vince – They'll win every game. Exactly. And that, I mean, that honestly, that's how I feel about Notre Dame's defense. If, yeah. if, if Notre Dame can score three or four touchdowns, or 21, 25 points, they're, they're going have a great shot to win every game the way the defense is playing. Same thing with Clemson. Especially the problem is, yeah, they only scored 14. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. Will Shipley, the one that got away for Notre Dame, ends up with 21 carries, 88 yards, and both touchdowns for Clemson, right. one one in the first and one in the fourth. So, uh, you know, that kid is obviously the real deal. He's a great player. Um, but still, he only had 88 yards. And so is the Georgia Tech defense that good or is the Clemson offensive line that poor? I think I'm leaning more towards 
the Clemson side of things. Yeah. Um, especially when DJ Uyongalale only has 126 yards on 18 completions. I mean, that's wow. I mean, Dude. he's obviously he's either not getting enough time, yeah. or they're just dinking and dunking the whole time because he averaged five yards a pass. I mean, that's it's not good. It's not we good talk, at all. We talked about like the game plan going into every game for Tommy Reese and how important Michael Mayer is to the other side knowing, hey, we have to stop this guy. And I wonder just how much – we know Trevor Lawrence. He's number one overall pick. Great quarterback, right? Absolutely. I think Travis ATM was a little bit more valuable than maybe they thought. Losing him hurts a lot. Because even when they came into Notre Dame Stadium, who did we key in on? We're like, and we, I think that would have been the case even if Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback. Sure. Yeah. I think Clark, Clark Lee would have said, yo, we have to stop Travis ATM. We can't let him get loose. Right. And then we'll play zone and worry about everybody else and make sure we keep everything in front of us and tackle. So when you don't have that guy, and like you said, Will Shipley's a good player, but he hasn't proven himself to be able to impact how defenses play them as an offense and right. open things up for everybody else. So it's going to have to come from that offensive line and that run game to open up everything else and to, and to get DJ settled in a little bit more because right now he's unsettled. He's unsure. And like you said, he's learning. It's his first, really his first time. Oh, sure. Yeah. As the starting quarterback. So there's a lot of things he's learning as well in these games. You know, so he's going to have to look at the film and get better. He's going to have to become a more of a leader uh, vocally, gain the respect, but it's going to come from that offensive line settling in and Will Shipley becoming uh, to that offense what Travis Etienne had been the previous four years. Sure, absolutely. All right, a couple more games to talk about before we have to roll out of here. Uh, first of all, let's see here. Cincinnati, Indiana. So let, let's talk about this one. Uh, very tight game at halftime. It was 10 to 14. I use ahead. Cincinnati rolls out 13 points in the third, 15 in the fourth, which was really the difference because, uh, I, you scored 10 in the third, but zero in the fourth. So Cincinnati pulls away at the end. Um, I think Indiana may have shown a couple of chinks in the armor for Cincinnati, uh, but man, the bottom line is Cincinnati is a really good team and they know how to close the door on teams. And I, and I think that was my biggest takeaway is, you know, I forget who they played the week before, but it was close at halftime. And then they blew them out in the second half. Same situation here, close after three quarters, they blow them away in the fourth quarter that this team knows how to put teams away. And that makes me a little nervous for two weeks from now. I love it. You know why I love it, Vince? You talk about the chink. If you're going to play us man-to-man for 60 minutes, please right. please play us man-to-man. Because the speed we have, you can't cover us for 60 minutes. We're, we're going to get opportunities in the passing game. So now in two weeks, like I said, can we become half a second better right. than we were against Purdue, against Wisconsin? And then when we get to Cincinnati, can we become a full second better? and pass protection than we were against Purdue. Sure. If yeah. we can make that jump, the opportunities will be there. But this is the game we need Tyler Buckner because I saw a lot of bootleg action 
a lot of moving the pocket and a lot of quarterback runs that and not quarterback runs but rpos that opened up a lot of plays early in the game indiana really could have had a much bigger lead in the first half i think they failed on a, a, a fourth down inside the 10 i know of and i think they missed another one in uh cincinnati uh on the cincinnati side of the field where they had another opportunity to put up points after a turnover so Missed opportunities will always come back to bite you in the end when you face a really good team. Cincinnati did prove that they're a really good team to me. Really good team. A lot of offensive weapons. You're gonna Ritter's gonna have to beat me from the pocket. He's gonna have to beat Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not that running around, you're not doing that against us. Right. You're not doing that if I'm you gotta him. contain him. Yeah. We're taking Absolutely. that away. Now, if you can beat me from the pocket, I tip my cap. And we go on to next week. Right. Indiana never did that. They allowed him to do whatever he wanted to. And once he got settled into the game, they eliminated the mistakes. They made a lot of mistakes on the offensive line with penalties early in that game as well. So I don't expect that type of effort. But I think Notre Dame's going to be better. And it's going to be a great game because Cincinnati knows how important that game is. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. That's a mid-season Super Bowl for Cincinnati. No doubt. And they just beat a Big Ten team who everybody thought going into the season was going to be pretty good, right? And then they get it back-to-back. They get that, and then they get Notre Dame at Notre Dame Stadium. I mean, look, if Cincinnati can beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame Stadium, that I mean, they're – because they're not going to have any problem with anybody else on their schedule. No. No, I mean, that's going to propel them almost directly into the playoff, in my my opinion. So There's no way the run game for Cincinnati – beats me if I'm Notre Dame. Love it. Love it. Sorry. One more I want to talk about. We don't have a whole lot of time, but I do want to talk about it because I love to bang on Ohio State. Um, (laughs) Struggle with Tulsa, man. Like, you want to talk about a defense that is struggling right now. It's the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, and and we'll talk about the Auburn-Penn State game too real quick, but Ohio State, man, I can't – Somebody needs to take advantage of the fact that their defense is terrible. Somebody has to, right? Yeah. You don't want to see anyone lose their job, especially not in the middle of a season. But this goes goes back to having that guy, right? They were spoiled having Chase Young for three years. Absolutely. Spoiled. Like someone that every offensive coordinator had to look at and say, oh, my God, we're going to be spoiled, right? Because every offensive coordinator for the last three years has been looking, saying, where's number 14 at? Right? And next year, who's going to be that guy? We don't know, but we have to find out. And Ohio State is in, what, their second season of trying to find out who's going to be the guy that's going to wreck offenses for us and open up opportunities for everybody else to make plays. And it doesn't seem like they can figure that out. They haven't found that guy. And that guy usually has to be in the front seven. And their front seven has been pushed around. Uh, Haskell Garrett, they thought, would be that guy. Or Garrett Haskell, he hasn't been that guy. And the secondary for the second straight year, which I'm shocked because they recruit plenty of talent. Oh, tons. They have have plenty of talent in the NFL in the secondary. So I don't understand. It can't be speed talent. It has to be scheme. Guys not fitting in, making the right fits. Guys not making the plays fundamentals not being done the same thing we hear right 
with other teams, right? Oh, yeah. A lot of big plays. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, exactly. That's so across all of college football. A lot of coaches are dealing with transition years and trying to figure sure. out, you know, when they're going to get playmakers and who's that next playmaker for whatever unit on the offense or defense. And it seems like Ohio State is that they can score. But you know Ryan Day is going to be able to score. So that won't be the problem. But last time we talked, Vince, who did I tell you was going to be the problem for Ohio State? Who was it? It was Penn State. Mm-hmm. I told you. I said they play defense as a cohesive unit. And I ta- I think we talked about it. I talked about I wrote about it when we gave our predictions for the game. I said Auburn's going to come in and try to bully ball. And they're going to realize uh, we can't push this Penn State defense around. You know, and there you have it. Is the big yeah. team is going to come down to Ohio State, Penn State? That's for me. Ohio State, Penn State. That's the winner of the Big Ten right there. I like that. I, I think that's going to be a great game. I really Absolutely. do. Uh, October thirtieth. Yeah. So uh, you know, put it on your calendars, folks. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. There's no question about it. Is so, where is it at, Vince? I'm sorry, I'm not looking it, at the schedule right it's now. It's at uh, Ohio State. Oh, it's at Ohio State. It, okay. It's at the Horseshoe. Yeah, it's at the Horseshoe. So, eh. but I still, I still like Penn State. I do because I, I think their offense is going to take it to that defense. I, I just not, not that Penn State's offense is unbelievable or anything, but I don't think they need to be. So, I love know. the wide receivers. We know Ohio State had probably has the best two wide receivers in the Big Ten, but the two wide receivers at Penn State are pretty darn good. Right, and you got Kane in the backfield that can make plays. If Sean Clifford can just avoid mistakes, a big one, and take advantage of the opportunities that his skill position players are going to give him, you're right. Penn State should be able to handle them. So let's let's wrap it up with Penn State Auburn. That was a heck of a game to watch. Um, I mean, it was back and forth the whole game. Penn State scores a touchdown in every quarter, and the difference was Auburn scored two touchdowns and two field goals, and that's your eight point difference right there. Yeah. Penn State, man, they came out to play. They used that wide out to their advantage. And but I will say, I was impressed with Auburn. I was yeah. not necessarily anticipating Auburn to put up as much of a fight as they did. I thought the coaching staff had that team prepared. They were ready. Um that was that might have been the best game of the weekend, to be perfectly honest with you. When, yeah, when, when you, it was all said and done. When you look at Auburn, typical SEC team, big physical on the fronts. I expected that. I thought they would come in and try to bully Penn State, expect Penn State to be a Big Ten team they can push around. Right. And they threw the first punch, and when Penn State countered, kind of staggered them, Penn State took over the game and was able to hold on late in the game. But I was comfortable with picking Penn State in this game because I'm just not a fan of Bo Nix. I'm, I'm just not. Sure. Just not. And when they face good SEC teams – Bo Nix not being able to produce in the passing game is going to be the main issue. Like, Bigsby is a great back. He's going to be able to do damage. That Auburn offensive line is going to open holes for him, even in the SEC. Right. But I'm just not a fan of Nix. And he's going to hold that offense back the rest of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. They're going to have to be smash mouth. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to be. Because they got to overcome subpar to, to, you know, to par – uh, quarterback play. Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. Yeah, Vince, isn't it amazing? Like the one thing, whether you watch Sunday Night Football or you go back to Week One and it's Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs, 
it's so amazing how easy the game is when you have that guy at the most important position. You're not wrong. Right? Because every other team almost has to play a perfect game. Right. And there's no such thing as a perfect game in football. You're going to make mistakes. Absolutely. And the team is going to make plays against you. It's no cert against you. There's no there's no perfect game. But when you have that guy, you can play a C game and still win. Because he'll bring you back or he'll find a way to win the game. So Sure. Yeah, that is the quarterback position. I don't care what level you're at. Is so vitally important. No doubt. And we saw it well, we saw it last if you want if you want to talk NFL, uh, we yeah. saw that last night from Man. both quarterbacks, Absolutely. and it came down to a fumble and all. You know, <sighs> I had the Chiefs. Man, that hurt me. But that uh, was the eighth game of a nine-game parlay. I had them Whoa. all right up to that point. Man, is that the only one? It's well, I had the Packers winning tonight, which I don't think was going too far out on a limb. Well, they're so, playing the Lions, so right. Yeah. I would have been eight and eight after last night, and then nine on a nine tonight. But that darn that fumble at the end. I'm like, they're lining up for the field goal. Back. God, man, I was like, you're going to be kidding was, me. At that point, this I'm like, why are they giving the ball to him at this point anyway? Right. Like, just let Patrick throw the ball. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or kick it on second down. I don't right. care. Why are we right. fumbling the ball, man? Anyway. Oh, man, I feel so bad for you. Oh, it's okay. It's you're okay. We're that close. Yeah, I know. It always ends up being something. So, I mean, but I had the Cardinals winning, and they uh, there was a missed field goal. They barely won against. They Minnesota. barely won, so it's yeah. like I, I got saved, and then I got tossed. You know, yeah. within a matter of a few hours. So yeah. you know, it is what it is. But uh, anyway, Sean, thank you, man, for joining me today. Give a shout out about your podcast so everybody knows where to find you. Absolutely, uh, I host a co-host a podcast each and every week. Lucky Lefty Podcast with Malik Zaire. We're on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We always have great content. Monday today, we'll be talking about Brian Kelly's press conference. Wednesday, we do our mix show where we preview the next game for Notre Dame. And then we start previewing the NFL week that's coming up. And then Friday, uh, I think this Wednesday, we'll have a special guest, former Notre Dame player, Ian Williams. Nice. Join us and uh, talk a little NFL and college football. And then Fridays, we give you our keys to the game to get a victory and uh that's it every monday wednesday fr friday lucky lefty podcast you can follow the channel on youtube subscribe we appreciate you and lucky lefty podcast via the a2s network it's also available on apple podcast nice you search a2s network lucky lefty podcast will pop up right there for you on apple podcast as well so we love you guys you guys are the forerunners for us when it comes to great content and uh, we look up to you and Brian, and thank you all for the opportunity to be a part of Irish Breakdown and just kind of be brothers in this Notre Dame content game. Absolutely, man. I love having you. It's always it's always fun to uh, to mix it up and have you on the show, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, the notification bell, uh, hit that like you know, and then uh, make sure you check out that Lucky Lefty podcast because uh, it's good stuff over there. I can attest to that as I have listened as well. So uh, make sure you guys check that out. And uh, we will talk to you guys next time on the Irish Breakdown podcast.
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.